I just want us to give him a big generation's welcome, your friend and mine, Mr. Derek Tice. Come on, Derek. He didn't mean all that. That was, uh, I don't know who that person is. Anyhow. No, I, I just want to take a, a moment. I, I really keep to myself and I don't say too much, but I just want to take the time just to thank my pastors, you know, Scott and Melissa, Monica, Albert. I love you guys, and um, I don't say it a lot, but I'm really just, thank you so much for preaching to us out of the word and praying for us and putting up with us and all those things like that. And we just, we couldn't, I couldn't be here without you guys and we couldn't be here without you. I just wanted to take a moment just to thank you so much. So, amen. So it's just a huge honor and privilege to be up here and be able to share with my brothers and sisters. And you know, the last time I was up here was, this whole place was empty and I had to stare at that camera in the back, which was, uh, which was kind of a blessing for me because I'm not real big in front of, talking in front of people. So it was like, it was nice. But at the same time, it was like, there's no people here. I don't have anyone to feed off of. You know, I don't can't see anyone sleeping or laughing at my jokes or shaking her head no, or like get off, you know. But anyhow, so I've kind of uh, rattled this morning because, you know, I was coming to church and I had my guitar and stuff and I pushed the button, open my garage door and the garage door goes up. I'm gonna go to my trunk to put my, uh, my gear back there and there's this big giant spider. I mean, huge, fat, incredible Hulk spider. And I, anyone who knows me, I hate spiders. I can't stand them. I get, there's three things I can't stand. It's the three S's, sin, spiders, and scorpions. And so there's this, there it is. It just, dun, 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 hey, how you doing? And I'm just like, and I'm like Fred Sanford, Elizabeth, coming to join you, honey. <laughs> Luckily, I had some, uh, some wasp spray pecking our garage. I was like, okay, thank God it's here because I can spray from a, from a distance. So I'm like, <laughs> you know. So I spray it, and it, just, it, it comes forward. Like, don't come in the garage. I was like, oh, gosh. So I spray it some more. It goes underneath my car, and I'm just kind of like, putting my stuff away. There's wasp spray all over the place. Some on the side of my car. It goes underneath the car. I was like, okay, get here. Let me get out of here, back up. As I pull out, I see it, and it's just all dying. So kids, you're going to see it when we get home. So my kids love spiders, too. So we're going to have a fun time getting it out of there have a, with a crane or something. It was huge. But anyhow. But anyhow, I'm not talking about spiders this morning. I just wanted to, you know, this, I'm kind of a big thinker, and I have this, and I just found that I'm not, like my thoughts aren't common to a lot of people's thoughts, because, and I talked this with my wife before, which the beautiful lady was up here as my wife, and a lot of you guys wouldn't put us together because we're like ebony and ivory, salt and, salt and pepper, cinnamon and sugar. Most people like cinnamon, right? But anyhow, so, <laughs> but um, I'll always have this thought like, ever since my Christian walk, really, it's just like, I have this realis realization that I exist, that I'm real, and I talked to my wife about that, she's like, well, you're crazy, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I was like, you never think about that, like how real you are, how just we exist. So as I'm walking in my Christian walk and experiencing this awesome, wonderful God that we have, I have this, this big mystery inside of me, it's like, okay, I know I'm real, I exist, and I know that God is real without a shadow of a doubt. He's as real as the parents who have brought me into this world. And so my, my journey for the past several years has just been trying to find out the purpose of mankind and this earth, this existence, and this, the realization that we're gonna exist forever. 
So it's a, it's a big deal, you know, and just, it's awesome. So I'm not gonna kinda talk about that, but I kinda am. And I'm, I'm entitling this message, The World We Made. And so we look at this world that we live in, this earth, this uh, humanity that we are, and this is, this is what we made. The world we see today is exactly what we made it to be. So before I start, let me just start in prayer and just so you guys join along with me. Father, just thank you so much, God, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, God. You are with us. You have never forsaken us. And I thank you, God, that you would just speak to us this morning, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Show us your truth. And just help me to just to be able to convey these thoughts that I have and this, this journey you have, that I have been on with you, God, for the past several years. And I just thank you so much for this time to be able to share it with my brothers and sisters. And I pray, God, it would be a blessing to me as well as to them. And just give you all the glory and all the praise. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so the world we made. So we know that, you know, we read in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of our Bible, and we see this poetic, wonderful description of this creation and who's crea- who created it. And we know that God created, chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Genesis shows us how God created the world and humanity, and he said it was good. It wasn't bad. He loved it. This is exactly what he wanted. And so we see Eden, and I had always thought of like Eden, like the whole earth was like a paradise, that the whole thing was like just, you know, beautiful. But when you really read the text and you really study it out, and just looking at Jewish scholars and Christian scholars, you see that it really was a garden. Not like, a, not like the garden we have in our backyard or at the Buckingham Palace or whatever, but it was, you know, it was an area, a territory. And we see also, as you study the scriptures, and, it, and it's referred to like in, um, there was like this pinnacle, this mountain in the garden. You can, there's references to this in Ezekiel chapter 28 and the prophet Joel in chapter two. And usually like in the, the ancient times, a lot of them, really believed and kind of knew that the deity lives like on a mountain. And so you read in the scriptures that God will come down in the cool of the day and he will speak to the man and the woman and, you know, hang out with them, see what they're doing, what the progress is. And so we see this, and we also know that, you know, there's this imagery in, the, uh, in Genesis that, you know, heaven and earth intersected there in Eden. It was just this, this part where God dwelt and man dwelt. And it's kind of a symbolism as like a temple. So a temple was where heaven and earth came together. And that's where God dwelled and the people would go and, and worship there. And so the same writer of this Genesis is showing this illustration to these people who are this near East, near, uh, ancient Near East uh, civilization. This is written to the children of Israel who were, were slaves of Egypt. You know, they come out and so this book of Genesis and Exodus and the, what we know as the Torah, was written to them. And so this imagery that is used by the writer of these books is showing the earth like a temple and like the, this God dwelling in the temple. And we also know that the, these ancient people would um, use the pagans, would have the image of their deity in those temples. But we see here that this writer uses the God created mankind in his image. And so we are in his temple and he doesn't need statues, right? He, he creates us. He creates children. And that's, you know, that's who we are. And so he made humanity to rule the world, and he gave us freedom. And so we see that he, he blesses, you know, the man and the woman. He says, be fruitful, multiply. It's like going, Mwah. go, be free, spread it, spread my wisdom, spread my goodness. 
you know, be, be my children, this is wonderful, you know, and, he, and his very desire from the beginning was to dwell with us, to be with us, and to just to love us, so we, and we have that joy and the freedom. So this is the thing, God honors our freedom. And so we can look at that and we can be like, well, great, he honored our freedom and now look what happened to the world. But, you know, you, that's when we really lose it. Now, us as Americans, we love freedom. Freedom is awesome, right? And we can't think of anything different. But freedom is from God. And he, he gave us the freedom to have it. So what did we do with, do with that freedom? That's kind of what happened. So the whole intent was mankind was created in the image and likeness of God as his children, as his people, as his representatives, as his image bearers, to take his wisdom and his goodness, spread and expand Eden. And think about, he, he created man and woman to till and work the earth, name the animals, the flowers and all that stuff. And it was, it was just a beautiful thing, it was awesome. But as we know, the world fell, mankind fell. Why? Because of autonomy, self-governing. And, and the world has become corrupt because of man's sin. And there's also the other thing where, you know, their spirits who fell too, they also wanted autonomy. But that's a whole other discussion. I won't get into that. But we know that this desire of mankind to want to do things their way and not the way that they were created, not the way of God. The whole point was us to have God's nature and to live and display God's nature to creation. But we lost that. We decided we wanted to do things our way in human nature. So this whole very freedom that God's given us has ensnared us, has ca captivated us because of our bad actions. And so now this is what we have. And the, the wonders of, and there's proof in the Bible showing that how God tried so much to direct man back, to kind of help, help him back through, even right after the fall. Because we read the story of Cain and Abel, and we know about Cain, he has this bitter hatred towards his brother for certain reasons, and then God comes and talks to him, it's like, Cain, this thing that's going on inside you, sin is knocking at your door, it's desiring to have you, you must master it. Come on, buddy. But what does Cain do anyhow? He kills his brother. And so, from then on out, it's like mankind going and doing their own thing. So when we read Genesis chapter three, all the way to Genesis chapter 11, we're reading about the fall of mankind, we're reading about what happened to the world, this tragedy that happened. And it's, it's perfectly explained uh, in Romans chapter 1, verse 29, by the Apostle Paul. It says, they have become, this they being humanity, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. They would read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our own achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but these are from the world. So we see this is, this is humanity, and by this behavior, we created this world that we live in. This is why the world is the way it is. Now, we see today that you know, most sane people realize that the world is messed up. You know, it, it's, it's obvious. And so, and, and you, just people who don't even, aren't even Christians, who aren't even believers, they realize this. And there was a movie I remember watching when I was a teenager back in the, in the 90s called Grand Canyon. And um, had a, like this all-star cast in it and everything. And 
I don't remember much about it because it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I remember this one scene where the, uh, one of the characters played by Kevin Kline, he's like in a, he's kind of, I guess he's kind of a well-to-do kind of guy. He's in the bad part of town, his car breaks down, and suddenly there's these, like, these teenage punks that are coming and bother him and you know, they're giving him a hard time. I guess I can't remember if they wanted to steal from him or whatever. But before they came, he had called a, 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 rec, a record to come and pick him up. And so these kids are harassing him, and then the rec, uh, record truck driver comes, played by Danny Glover. And, and so he comes out, and he's like trying to get the kids. He's trying to reason with them. He's trying to get them to leave this guy alone. One of the, one of the kids pulls out a gun. He's holding it to his face. And I remember this line. It's like Danny Glover's like, man, the world ain't supposed to work like this. Now, maybe you don't know that, but this ain't the way it's supposed to be. That's my best Dane Glover impression. He's the dude. He's, he's in my favorite movie, The Color Purples. I love him. Um, but that's a line, you know, written by, I don't, not even a Christian. I can't remember if it was Lawrence Kasdan who wrote that script for that movie. He's, he's the guy that wrote The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars. So he's pretty cool in my book. But anyhow, that was just like an awesome line. And even with that, people understand that, man, this world is not supposed to be like this. It's not supposed to be like this. And I remember, I can't remember the cop who got convicted by, uh, for the killing of George Floyd, but Derek Cobbin or whatever he's called. But I remember there was a bunch of people who, had, who crowded outside the court or something like that and was waiting for the verdict. The verdict came and they're all celebrating. And I remember the reporter was out there and there was this mom and her, I think her husband and her little kids were out there. And so the reporter had asked her, you know, hey, why, why, you, why did you bring your kids today? What, what were you, you know, wanting? And she said something, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she said, she said I, wanted him to, I wanted them to be here to experience the day when the world began to get it right. And so, you know, it's not that that is getting it right, but there's this concept, there's this thinking in the process of our minds, humanity in general, knowing that something's not right. And so, you know, but the thing is, mankind is working towards their own peace, working towards their own way to try to make the world right. And you know, we have these songs. There's that song by, uh, what was it, Jackie DeShannon back in the late 60s. Put a little love in your heart. Think of your fellow man. You lend him a helping hand. Put a little love in your heart. And the chorus is, and the world would be a better place for you, for me, just to wait and see. So this is whole thing. And I think she wrote another classic, uh, The World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. There's just too little of it or something like that. So this is whole, these whole hippie songs and everything that kind of go out and trying to do love. But, and we got Christmas time. Christmas time is like, oh, this is when we're, we show love to everybody. And one of my favorite all-time Christmas songs is, um, used to jam with my mom back in the day, listen with our Motown Christmas in Jackson 5, give a little love on Christmas Day. And little, little Afro Michael Jackson just belting it out. It was awesome. But um, even the man and the couple upstairs would be so glad if you would share and give love on Christmas Day, all those kind of things. So the thing is, what kind of love are they talking about? You know, that's, that's the thing. Because the love they might be talking about is, is doesn't really compare to God's love. Now, we know the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. It says, and this is what love is. This is real love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is true love. 
this is, this is how it's supposed to be. The Bible says God is love. This is his very nature. This is exactly who he is. Do we act like this, though? Is this normal to us? No, this is contrary to the way we act. So the world realizes it, that something is wrong, something's not right. But the world works towards peace and trying to bring balance to this world through their own efforts. So they do their own strengths, their own beliefs, their own ideas, their own methods. They don't want to get any direction from God because it's like, again, it's this autonomy. We got this. We can do this ourselves. But yet we use these warlike tactics to try to bring peace, which is impossible. How can you use warlike tactics to bring peace? And I mean, I mean by this, it's, we do, humanity does division and they demonize certain groups and they make threats and they build these factions. And it kind of reminds me of the Tower of Babel because the Tower of Babel, we read about it in Genesis chapter 11, where mankind is basically in the general location and they decide to build a city for themselves and to make a name for themselves so they can be renowned. And we know about the Tower of Babel, which I think most scholars and historians believe it was like a ziggurat, which is like a pyramid with steps on it and stuff like that. And then some scholars talk about how, you know, this is, was mankind trying to kind of redo that mount of God that we know about in Eden and kind of just bring God back on, to, on our terms, which is kind of an interesting idea, but I don't know if that's really true, but, but it's an interesting idea. But it's the same way now. Today, mankind puts together their own methods to try to bring peace and balance to the world. Um, and it's, what do they do? They do, do politics and these factions and these different groups and doing it on their own terms, trying to marginalize people and make races like we're all a bunch of different races. We're not, we're the human race. God created one race of humanity and that's it. And so what we don't realize is that we will never have peace this way. We will never have peace as long as people are making groups and factions and marginalizing men. That's them and this is us and this and that. that those are warlike tactics. So this is the problem with the world, it's war. And I'm not just talking about war like with swords and guns and bombs and stuff like that. War starts in our heart. The battle between good and evil in our heart. And then war starting by building these different groups and factions and saying they're not like us or, oh, they, I don't like their, the way they think. This is the problem with our world. This is the problem of this fallen nature. And, you know, mankind is, we are experts of mistakes. We're experts of falling and coming up short. You know, we, there's a whole saying that I'm only human. That's like the universal admission that, you know, we're not perfect and, you know, it's that we're fallen. You know, it's human nature. So we, we realize generally that I'm saying I'm only human or human nature is that we're fallen, we're messed up. So we're people full of addictions. You know, addictions, people do anything for addictions, right? Whether you're addicted to substances or images or whatever it is, chocolate, whatever. People will do anything to harbor their addictions. A lot of us, probably all of us, are addicted to self. We love us and me. We love ourselves, or we hate us and me. We hate ourselves. So we have like this love-hate relationship going on inside of us, and it just shows that we're crazy. We're, we're crazy. It's like, how can we get this world right if we're crazy? Crazy people can't make a, a great world. So we have this knowledge of good and evil within us, and, uh, and what we do with it is matters a great deal. And 
That was the whole concept that God was trying to, trying to display in the beginning. You have this knowledge of good and evil, it's not going to go right. It's not going to go right because you're not going to know what to do with it. Like a, a toddler having a car. It's like, it's not going to go well. So um, I like this. Uh, I've written this down like a long time ago, and I've always kept it on a post-it note near my, near my drawer. But this, this is a 18th century British writer, um, Samuel Johnson. He has this, uh, this thing that he wrote. He says, some have little power to do good and have likewise little strength to resist evil. And so when I think of that, I'll read that. I think of, okay, the Apostle Paul kind of put a great example of what that's like uh, going on inside of us. So we read about this in Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. A lot of you guys know that, uh, know this scripture well. I read, about, read it from the New Living Translation because it kind of makes it easier to understand. But he says here, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So that's, just a, that's an awesome illustration. I mean, a lot of us, all of us can relate to that. And um, that was kind of, the, there were some battles I had going on in my life, and I always went back to that scripture knowing that, okay, I'm not alone. This is real. This is part, about, this is part of being human. And so this is struggle inside of us, this good and evil, God's nature and human nature, contrary, battling with, with, with one another. So we, we live in a world full of fallen beings. All of us are fallen, and we all have our own beliefs, we have our own ideologies, and they conflict with one another. You know, we, we clash over just the silliest things to the, most, to the biggest things, and it just goes on and on. And we think about the, the things that cross our minds. Are they godly? Are they, are they selfish? I mean, a lot of us, we have these thoughts that go on in our heads, and a lot of us know that it's not right, but we do it anyhow. So we think about how many times we said something to somebody or did something to somebody, we hurt them, or we made them feel down, or we belittled them, and all those kind of things. We, we ruined their, their existence in a, in a moment. And, and so this is, this is the thing we're, we're having. This is the world that we're making around us. So the world we make starts with us. It starts with, with what's around us, right? So people have so many problems. And I think the other thing is, is we have this whole identity culture nowadays where so many people are confused. They're trying to find out who they are. And they're trying to find it in that, in that group or in this message or in that image. And it's sad, it's so sad to see people struggling, but it, the world makes it so hard to find, you know, find true purpose, find true meaning. 
The reason why is because the world doesn't have it together. It's, it's, that, it's that simple. So we need to stop degrading one another because we're already degraded enough in our, own, in our own human nature. So we just need to stop. And so there's this constant war, this constant, constant friction, this constant going at each other. It just, it gets, um, it's just wrong. So when we divide ourselves into groups and races and politics and stuff like that, it's just, it's the problem. It's the problem with the world. One of my favorite shows that I like to watch is, uh, it's called The Rookie. And it's about this uh, middle-aged man who becomes a cop. He wants to become a police officer. But um, it's already in his third season. But a few weeks ago, and there's an episode that came out, and one of the characters in the show, and the show is over the top, but I love the characters, so that's why I keep watching. But it's one of the characters in the show, Officer Tim Bradford. And he takes on this new rookie. And this new rookie is like a, an old war, uh, not an old war, but she's young. She just got back from doing a few tours and over in the Middle East, and so she's got like this whole war concept in her head, you know, and she wants to become a poli police officer. He recognizes what's going on to her because he too is a, an ex-war vet, and so he's trying to help her to kind of have a, have a concept realizing that she's not in war anymore. So when they're out on their stake, when they're out on their beat, on, on, their, on their patrol, she has this concept, and he's seeing it, that, you know, the criminals are the enemy, you know, and so she's trying to she, so she has this concept that all these criminals are enemies or that everybody's a potential enemy. And so she's, she's more aggressive towards them. And she's trying to, so she has this concept because she has spent so many years over in, in a war country where you just, the enemy could be at any moment, shoot you or blow you up or whatever. And he has this, this kind of this line in, in the show where he's, he's trying to get her to realize that, look, these are our fellow citizens. They're not the enemy. Yeah, they might be shooting at us. Yeah, they might be, but it is our job to serve and protect even them. And I, I love that. I was like, man, that's good. I got to use that. And so I am. But it was awesome because it, 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 it ministered to me because it shows even as believers, too, we make, we make enemies. You know, we always see other people as the enemy. Or, and just even if you're not a believer, you see other people as the enemy just because they disagree with you or because their lifestyle is a certain kind of way. They're not the enemy. They're our fellow citizens. They're our fellow citizens of humanity. They're our fellow brothers and, Christ, brothers and sisters. And so we gotta have, we got to have that mentality because it's, if we don't, then we continue this war. And again, I'm not talking about bombs and, and swords and stuff like that, this war with one another because of ideas and ideologies. And, uh, and let's just talk about Christianity for a second. So Christianity is, we tend to do this in, in, in the Christian circle because we have this thought that, okay, this is our group, this is our clan, you know, Christians, that's who we are. And so we look at that certain actor, that certain uh, all-star, and we say, oh yeah, they're a Christian, yeah, they're one of us. It's kinda, and this is the problem, because I, I, I hate seeing like these, uh, these documentaries about Christianity. You see them on the, on the History Channel or something like that, and because they don't really get it right. They're, they're, they're painting the history of Christianity really in a, in a bad light because when they talk about, bring up Constantine and the, and the, and the um, Roman Empire and how, and even what happened in Europe, how this Christianity was used as a, a means to, of conquest and, and taking over people and people will be murdered or imprisoned if they're not a Christian. And it was just pathetic. That is contrary to who Jesus is. That was contrary to what Jesus taught. Uh, Pastor Scott used this term last week, uh, it is antichrist. You know, to think that that's Christianity, that's Christ-likeness, 
That is far, far from it. And so this is the problem. Mankind has always tried to take their beliefs and make it rulership over other people. And the problem, Christianity is not meant to be like that. Christianity is not meant to be on the throne and it's by mankind. Because when that happens, then you have stuff like what happened with the Crusades. You have stuff like what happened with, uh, with the empire, with the Roman Empire. People pillaging and murdering and raping in the name of Christ. That is anti-Christ. That is not what, who God is. That is not his nature. That is not Jesus' nature. But yet they tack that to our faith and they try to sit there and say, this is what Christians are like. No, it's not. That's what mankind is like. That has nothing to do with Jesus. And so today we have that kind of same concept. We kind of have a Cold War uh, ideology. Talked about Christians. We're, okay, yeah, we're not trying to kill people and imprison them because they're not Christians, at least not here in the West. But at least I don't think they're doing it over there either. But, um, but it's the same thing. We look at unbelievers and we think of them as the enemy. Or we, we, we think of them as, you know, that's them over there. But yet we, we lose... We lose the, the, the meaning of, of showing them. And the, well, my point is, we, we show this contempt or condemnation towards unbelievers that we really shouldn't have. Instead of showing to them grace, or sh instead of having understanding of why they are the way they are, or having wisdom about why they, they, are, they are the way they are, that's, that's the way that God thinks. Because God relates to everybody on a personal level. We need to think the same way and not say, okay, that's them, this is us. They're the enemy. They don't understand. But the truth is, that's true. They don't understand it. But you don't understand either what they're going through. Our, our job is to be the light. So we see division in the church. We see division in all kinds of ways. Because again, it's because of war. It's because of this war that we have against one another. This is the world that we made. So the great thing about it that God has this process of restoring mankind back to him. So we see from starting in Genesis chapter 12 all the way to the end of the Bible, we see God having this process to mend and to bring mankind back to him. It was never his, his intention to say, okay, well, that didn't work out. and just kind of like throw it away. No, he's like, no, I love my people. I want to come dwell with them. Let's make this right. And so we know Adam, Adam and Eve blew it. We know that the world got so bad. The world got so bad that even the Bible says even the very imagination and the very thoughts of mankind was so evil and it was evil all the time. That's all he ever thought about was doing evil all the time. And so we read about the flood and God wipes him out, but he, he, um, he saves Noah and his family and he gives them the same blessing he gave to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. He's doing this, go out, be free, fill the earth, subdue it. It doesn't work out well, but he, he already had planned for Abraham. So we, have, we know about Abraham, and out of Abraham comes the nation of Israel. And with Israel, he's taking these people, and they're going to become a, a blessing to all the nations, all the other people in the world. So he's going, to make them, he's going to make them holy. He's going to show them how to live, and he's going to have them do just like what mankind was supposed to do in the beginning, take God's goodness and his wisdom and take it out to the world. But they failed at that, right? And so what happens? Jesus. God himself comes down on this earth, and he makes it right. So God comes, Jesus comes, showing and revealing God's nature, and he comes and inverts the way of humanity. And so you read the teachings of Jesus, you're like, whoa, people don't think like that. What in the world? Because he's inverting our nature, and he's showing God's nature. He's bringing, 
He's bringing the ways of God back to this world by, and what's he say? Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is not heaven, so to speak. It's God's rule, God's reign coming. And it's coming here on the earth. And it's the whole, you guys hear the term, the, uh, the already, but not yet. So it's beginning. It's his invasion. It's the earth invasion that he's coming. I got that from a skillet song. But uh, the earth invasion has just begun. They're a Christian band. It's an awesome, awesome lyrics. But um, he's, he's, he's invading mankind with his, with his ways, with his reign, with his nature. And, and it starts with Christ. And then the Holy Spirit comes after Jesus leaves. And he's advancing that. He's taking the, the ways that Jesus um, had taught. He's bringing the nature of God. And he's doing it through his followers, Christ followers. That's us, Christian, Christians. And so this is the kingdom of God uh, advancing. So this is, a, this is an interesting scripture, the book of Acts 17. So here's the Apostle Paul. He's talking to a group of, uh, of Greeks. And he's kind of displaying kind of the whole concept of what's been going on. And it's, it's a great illustration. And he says, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. For one man, that's Adam, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. And here's the scripture right here, verse 27. This is God's purpose. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, that we are his offspring, he sh we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. But God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man, that is Jesus, he has appointed, and he, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. So the kingdom of God, we read about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? We read about it. Paul describes it in a really awesome way in um, Romans chapter 14. He says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Or if you're old school, you say Holy Ghost. Um, but righteousness in the Holy Ghost, peace in the Holy Spirit, joy in the Holy Spirit, and this is the Holy Spirit producing these things in us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit advancing God's rule, God's kingdom through us just in, in that very way. He's working righteousness in us. He's working the, the ability to, to be peacemakers in us. He's working this joy, spreading this joy that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, he, that he, he's come, he set us free, and that his nature his ways are coming and they are invading and we are to carry that out and it's the Holy Spirit working in us and we can only do this by the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on, for ourselves. And so it, it is this way that when the Holy Spirit comes and he produces this righteousness in us and this peace in us and this joy in us, uh, in, in us that we are able to be no longer making war against the, the people around us, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters, our family members, our, just the strangers on the street, but we become these blessings to the people around us. And then Romans chapter four, uh, 14, verse 18, it goes on, it talks about living this way. 
And it says, for the one who serves Christ in this way is well-pleasing to God and what? Approved by people. So not only are you pleasing to God, people are seeing you and they're saying, man, this is great. I like this guy. I like that, that woman. This is awesome. And that we, we know that we can't do this without the Holy Spirit. So again, the Apostle Paul lays out an awesome way of living by the Spirit, living by the Holy Spirit. We read about this in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, uh, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And when he talks about the flesh, he's talking about the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And this is true. This is a perfect illustration of what's happened in the world. It's a perfect illustration because it's exactly what's happened. So I say, walk by the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not so you, so, you, so you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here we are, the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there, are, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Holy Spirit, let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is this nature of God coming, making peace, and showing that when we display these kind of attributes, this is what makes peace. This is what makes the world a better place. Not just put a little love in your heart. It's Jesus. It's his nature. It's God's reign coming, bam, and invading this world. And that's how you make it better. Now, the problem is a lot of people get this concept that God is legalistic. And, you know, and Jesus gave the religious leaders a hard time about being legalistic because he's like, you guys have totally got it all wrong. You guys do not understand why you know, my father put the law into effect and all those kind of things. It's because we were messed up. And so we can't think about the law just being legalistic. You got to think about the law. This is the, just say the commandments. Uh, this was, was God basically putting a, a splint, a cast on a broken people and trying to mend it back together so that it would grow straight. And so you got, we got to think about it this way. So think you have like a, a company and you have a, a, a worker, so you're, you're an expert at what you do, and you hire somebody, and you train them to do things, you know, to do it right, to do it the best way, to whatever that task is, and so you train them in that, and so it's not that you want to micromanage and lord it over them that this is the way, you got to do it this way, only this way, but it is, this is the best way to do it, and so this is how, this is, this is how it should be done, and so if that person can learn that way, like an apprentice, learning a skill, then they take that skill and then they do it the best way, but they take it, it becomes part of their nature. It becomes a part of their, their mindset of doing that very thing. And so then it becomes this partnership, this thing that's done together is this partnership and agreement 
to make things better, to do it in harmony. And so this is, what God's, this is what God's doing. He's showing us, hey, this is my nature. This is the best way. This is how the world should be. And so we are to take that, that skill, and do it the best way. That's how things are going to be better. About a few months ago, every year, I've got these horrible oak trees in my yard. And they're little, but they have these little big leaves, and they just pour these leaves everywhere. I wanted to get rid of them, but my wife wouldn't let me. And... No, nah, let's just grind the roots down, and it'll be fine. It brings shade and blah, blah, blah. I said, they're evil. But millions and millions of leaves fall from these things. And they said, little leaves, it kind of gets in the crevice of the yard and the, and the grass and stuff. So my nephew had texted me, I want to make some money. You got anything for me to do? Uh, I was like, yeah. I'll pay you 20 bucks to rake the leaves in my yard. And sure. And I, he's not, he's one of these kids who stays inside all the time and in front of a screen. So I said, this is not going to be easy because he's thinking I got a small front yard and I'm not, he didn't tell me this, but I, I know what he's thinking. Uh, he's got a small front yard. I can knock that out in no time. 20 bucks, yeah. But uh, as I'm telling you, this is going to be, going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, okay, okay. So I come, he comes the next day. I show him what to do. I say, can I let you know the best thing to do is take the blower, blow all the leaves to the driveway, and then kind of bring them all together and then take the rest you couldn't blow and rake them up. Okay, okay. All right, so I'll leave him alone. I go, and at that time I'm working from home, and so a couple of hours go by, and I can kind of see him from the window, and he's blowing leaves all out the street, all into my neighbor's yard and, and, and uh, driveway. I was like, okay, so I'll go back downstairs. He can't hear me, so I got to tug on the on the cord and say, I said, look, you're making this harder for yourself. You 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 can't just blow them everywhere onto the street. You got them in my neighbor's yard, so now I got to go over there and clean that up. Uh, I'm telling you, remember what I told you, just blow them out to the driveway, put them all together, it's going to go quicker, you should be able to knock this out in a couple of hours. Okay, so a couple more hours go by, it's still a, didn't go very well. Anyhow, the, the point of the story is, he had, to, he had to come, I said, look, come back tomorrow, I'll help you out, we'll finish it up, because he still did a lot of work, but it just, he made it, he made it worse. But, uh, <laughs> so this is the illustration I'm trying, I'm trying to give you. When we try to do it our way, we mess everything up. We do things the best way, which is God's way, God's nature, it's going to go right. Amen? So, okay. So many in our culture look at Christianity and the Bible like it's just a list of a bunch of rules and stuff like that. But what, what they're really seeing, and, and they think these are untenable rules. This can never be done. And, but of course it can't never be done not because you're, what they're seeing is this conflict between God's nature and, human, and the human nature, them coming together and clashing. But, you know, the Bible illustrates that clearly, that our, our, our natures clash. And teachers and scholars for years have been showing how the Ten Commandments show that it's, it, is the, it is how we're relating to other people. So stuff like, honor your father and your mother, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you know, don't bear false witness against your neighbors, don't covet. These are all things that benefit other people. They benefit us. It's about treating people like you want to be treated. And it's not about being good, but it's about being like Jesus. It's about having God's nature and spreading that. We are to reflect him. We are to be his children, not a bunch of uh, reprobates. So, so this is the contrast. We know this is God's nature. We, we can kind of sum this up into kind of, kind of 10 attributes. He's holy. He's loving. He's just. He's good, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's faithful, he's patient. Thank God for his patience, huh? 
I, I know I need it even every day. He's truthful and he's wise. And so this is, this is what we're supposed to be. This is, this is our, our father's nature. This is what we're supposed to re reflect. And so this is our prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus said. Our father in heaven, holy is your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His nature invading here. So it's not that we're supposed to reflect our love on other people, but we have to reflect, reflect God's love on other people. And so this is, this is just awesome. I love this. So we need to care and respect people. And we should also care what people think, but not out of fear, not out of selfishness. Because a lot of times we have this problem where we care what people think about us. But we shouldn't do that out of fear. We should care what people think in the way, like, are we making war against them? Or is it all about us? So we gotta, we gotta set, set aside our nature and let God's nature come in. And we gotta make sure we're not complacent with ourselves. We gotta understand that we don't get it right. I don't have it right. None of us have it right. But we keep walking with our master, keep walking with Christ, followers of Christ. That's what it's about. It's not a religion. It's not a, a clan. It's not a group. It's a lifestyle. It is the ultimate lifestyle. Okay, in closing, so we know God's final plan. So we see this, we read the scriptures and we see God's persistent movement to draw mankind back to him. Everybody, all nations, all tribes, all tongues to him, his people. And so we had this concept in, in our minds usually that, you know, we die and we go to heaven and that we're going to live eternally in heaven. But that was never God's plan. God's plan was always to dwell with his people. God's plan was always to dwell with his people on earth. That was what happened in the beginning. And so when we, we go to the book of Revelation, we see this bookend of Eden being restored. So just real quick, we're going to sum it up, sum it up here. So the world earth now with this invasion of God's kingdom is being conditioned for God to come back here, to come back to the earth, to dwell among his people. So we read about a new heavens and a new earth, and it's, it's not just in the book of Revelation, it's talked about in the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 65, verse 17, and this is God speaking. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they be, come to mind. And then that, that uh, chapter goes on to describe the new Jerusalem and stuff like that. And then hundreds of years later, John, the apostle, he has, he has his revelation, and he writes this down, and he's, he goes on, and he, he expands this new heaven and this new earth and this new Jerusalem. And we read about this in Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will, be no, there will no longer be any death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who, has, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. 
He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. And he goes on and talks about those who, who don't follow, and they go to the other place. But we see here that God doesn't lose his original plan. What happened in the beginning, he's like, no, I'm not going to lose any of that. So we see at the, at the end that this is God's plan is to come and to dwell with his people. And then we, again, we, he's our God. We're his people. And we continue. There's no telling what, what's, what's going to happen. Let's, let's look at this in this last verse. Well, second to last verse. Uh, we see this imagery of Eden restored. And we see it in Revelation chapter 22. And it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb, who is Jesus, will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And so we see these things, and we think, oh, that's heaven. But it's, this is, we got to remember, heaven is where God is. And so we see God is coming down, and he's coming in this fashion that is grand and is glorious, and we're a part of it. And, and he comes and dwells with us. And so this is, there's something that we just don't understand as humans. We're, we're like toddlers. We're like infants. And we don't understand what God's plan is. We don't understand what, it, what this whole thing is that we're going through right now. But there's something we just don't know. There's something we don't understand. So just like we can't explain quantum physics to a toddler, or there's just things as a parent that we, I don't tell my kids now because they're not ready. They can't. They can't conceive it yet. It's the same way now. Us as people, us as humanity, we can't think of ourselves as, as you know, we're adults. We got to think of ourselves as infants, as childs, as toddlers, because we just don't get what, what, God, what God's plan is, his eternal plan. And I, I think it, uh, and this is the last verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 explains it beautifully. It says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. So when we have this mindset that we don't make war with our fellow citizens, and that we have this mindset to realize that we don't have it all together, and we have this mindset that our nature is fallen and that God's nature is the best way. God's nature is peaceable. God's nature is righteous. God's nature gives us such joy when we have that mentality, man, we begin to live like our master, like Jesus, right? Then we begin to reflect our father. And then we begin to prepare this world for not only the, the great harvest of showing our other, other people, the other citizens of humanity, this is who we are. This is our God. This is where we come from. This is where we're going. Come on. Get on the train. Um, that's it. So we have this concept in our mind just to think about this all the time. When we get up in the morning and when we go, and I tell you, living in Houston, Texas, and the people on the road, oh, <laughs> I tell you, ah, oh, 
They're just, that's just a reflection. Do not respond to them. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> I'm trying to close, but I just want to tell you just one last story. A few weeks ago, I'm coming home from uh, work, and one of the stoplights is, is kind of backed up. Not sure why, but we, we finally we see there's an ambulance, and the, there's two lanes going this way, and there's an ambulance blocking the other lane. And so they're pulling some poor guy out of, out of the ditch. I guess he's, his car drove off, and he went off into the ditch. And so I heard some honking, but I, wasn't, I didn't know where it was coming from. And uh, I could see the guy in the river mirror, and I didn't, I didn't think it was him. But next thing I know, this big old truck goes into the other lane, gets right in front of me, and I'm just, we're all inching forward. We're not going anywhere. And he is just ticked off. I have no idea why, because we're all just sitting and trying to inch forward to try to get through, get past the ambulance. And, and so now he's in front of me, and he's looking at his side mirror, and he is just cussing me out, and he's putting up the finger. He's, he's doing a whole finger show. <laughs> but in, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, It'd be cool if one of these big vultures around here would just come and just poop on that finger <laughs> and put him in his place. But the human side of me wanted to react, but I, I didn't. I had my shades on, and I just kept a cool face, and I watched him like it was television as he did that little show in his side mirror as we're all inching forward. <laughs> and he's doing that over and over again, and I'm thinking, I have no idea what. I didn't do anything. But I just let him, let him go, and I just watched him. And I guess he really wanted to try to get something out of me because he just, but he didn't. So I didn't respond to him. And so as he drove off, he turned, his finger still out the window. And so I drove on and I prayed for him. And so, but that did ruffle my feathers. I did go home and be like, man, what is it? And I'm kind of thinking, okay, did I? No, I didn't. And so just don't put it with him. People, this, this is what I'm talking about. Have an understanding. Maybe that guy's just going through something. I don't know. But I prayed for him. God, first of all, hope the way I reacted to him, which was not by reacting, he sees I was a better, the better man, hope that that'll make him feel stupid, because he was stupid. <laughs> and then at the same time, Holy Spirit ministered to him and get him right. Amen? Anyhow, so that's, that's what I had to share with you guys. I hope it was a blessing. I just, you know, this is something that I just had him, this is just how I think. And so this is how God works with me. God is so personable. He deals with each one of us as an individual, just like a father. I tell my kids all the time, you know, one of my kids, which one's your favorite? Which one's your favorite? I don't have a favorite. All these guys are different. You know, and I always have to pull out by, I have these little, these blocks that my son loves to play with. I, I'm going to admit this. It's like a little baby toy uh, that I keep because I teach as a, I use it as a, as a teaching tool. But it has like the little holes in them and each hole has a little shape like a star or a moon or a square or a circle. And I say, look, this is my heart and each one of you guys are different shapes. And so y'all each fit in your, in your certain spot. So your, your kids, and, and God has a whole bunch of those holes, and so we all have our own little shapes. Because we're all, he, God understands that we're all different, so he relates to us in different ways. So this is why we gotta understand. We gotta have that mindset too, that when we see other people in the world, they don't all think the same. We don't all think alike. Me and my wife, we love each other, but we don't think alike. You know, we're different. But at the same time, we gotta understand that we're gonna be living with people forever and ever. So get used to it. But we'll be better, so that'd be an awesome thing. Okay, so I'm going to uh, pray. Uh, Pastor Albert, are you going to pray with people today? Or? But if, so if, any, if you guys want prayer, uh, you come up here. Or also, I guess I'll put up there, there if you want to have any prayer requests, you can put it online. Or 
I guess, uh, sent them to the church with all those kind of things. And again, it was just a blessing to be up here today and to be able to share with you guys. Uh, remember, there's a youth tonight, uh, to this evening. If it's raining, we're still going to be here, so we'll, we'll work it out. Um, I'll share just a little bit. We'll discuss just a little bit of what I talked about today. Send the youth home, and uh, we'll have a good time. And I'm just going to pray real quick, and then you guys are welcome to leave. So, Father, I just thank you so much, God, that your love and your grace, your mercy is who you are. And we thank you, God, that you that it's on us, that you see us, that you know us, and that your intent for us is nothing but good and good all the time. And we thank you for that. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll just minister to us. You'll lead us in the way we should go. You'll help us because we are weak. We don't have the strength to do what we should do. But we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us. You are in us. You are at work in us. And we thank you for helping us to be strong. We, help, we thank you, God, for helping us to, to be a light to our neighbors and be you and reflect you, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the praise. And we all say amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys.